Hello everyone, welcome to At Intellect. Today we have with us Kritika Ravichandran, who is a founder of Partner, a platform which is focused on building a decentralized marketplace for the remote working environment by bridging the gap between Web 2 and Web 3 organizations. In this episode, Kritika shares her journey from her early university days to her first corporate stint with PwC and how it later evolved for her to building Partner. We also talk about the metaverse, Web 3.0, decentralized organizations, and so much more. It's a power-packed episode, so sit back, relax, and it's time to demystify the metaverse. Hey, Kritika, welcome to Adam Leg. It's great to have you here. Um, thank you for taking your time to do this. I know we have been planning this since a long time. But uh, finally, it's it's good to see you, and uh, I think it's going to be a great discussion uh, ahead. Absolutely, thanks for having me on, Kinshuk, and uh, I think reaching out at the right time, I would say, because we're at this point where we're trying to get the word out, and it 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 um, synergizes very well. Yeah, great, excited, and I've been excited for the conversation. Yeah, and. The reason I'm I've, I was really excited for this was that I've been really really curious about the topics that we are going to discuss. I've been reading about them a lot, following them a lot. You know, whether it's on social media, YouTube, and, and anywhere else. So yeah, uh, looking forward to learn a lot from you with this conversation. And and I'm sure that you know the the people who view this uh, the, this session as well. I think there'll be a lot to learn. So cool. Let's go ahead. Um, I believe uh, your journey would be a good place to start with. So can you just give give us a good uh, brief introduction about yourself and, you know, share a quick time lapse of your journey from, you know, graduation to partner, the, the venture you're currently involved in? Uh, so a quick introduction about myself. My name is Kritika. I'm based out of Bangalore in India. Uh, pretty much lived here all my life. Uh, fortunately, I've gotten a chance to interact with many people because it's an IT hub. Uh, different kinds of people from different backgrounds from other cities in India as well as um, international folks. So that has helped diversify uh, the thought processes. I would definitely say, like, you know, staying in the city has been a plus, not, not denying. Um, then in like about my journey, with respect to my journey, um, I did study computer science and engineering uh, from PESIT in Bangalore again. Um, uh, so during college, the first two years, I was heavily involved in uh, extracurriculars more than uh, college curriculum. So the first, uh, the first bit of uh, uh, clubs or communities that I was involved in and that really moved me uh, especially because of the philosophy behind uh, you know these communities was one was free software movement uh, I was a part of the local um, you know college chapter and then we used to do a lot of uh, events host events uh, you know prepping for the events conducting sessions pulling off um, some um, you know like getting speakers, all of that, and helping. There, there was also this outreach aspect to it, which was very appealing because we were uh, helping out underprivileged kids uh, with, re in, with respect to tech. 
um, so yeah, that that was my first bit of exposure, I would say. And then uh, Mozilla was another community that I was involved with. Um, and both these communities uh, also gave me exposure to a lot of coders, a lot of, um, I would say, geeks in the space who I uh, admire and mm -hmm. uh, respect a lot. Um, so, you know, the first time I got to meet G-Sockers and stuff like that. Um, then the second two years of college were... Um, SEC, which is a not-for-profit, it's an international uh, not-for-profit organization. And um, that again, apart from curriculum studies, for the first time I got to experiment with sales, business development, uh, leading teams for the first time, uh, working with different countries and actually heading some of like their teams for them, which was to, uh, you know, 19, 20 year old, a big deal at that point of time, right? Because a, uh, later when I look back at it, during the role, it didn't you know, you know, really mean as much. I was doing it because I was having fun and it was fun talking to people and getting work done. But uh, later I realized the, the ability to even approach a stranger and have a conversation is something that I picked up there. From being an introvert, I learned how to selectively be an extrovert in, um, in, within like the way of getting work done getting things done so that um that was pretty much university journey and yes I always had a thing for uh, tech like I always uh, I wouldn't say like I enjoyed coding uh 24-7 but it's something that definitely excited me and I always did keep in touch with the tech space um then uh, PWC happened campus placements um so Within PwC, I did. Um, I worked on. Uh, uh, I worked on ERP implementation, like uh, within the ERP space. I was working with SAP ERP, uh, and within that, uh, the sub bracket that I was working on is called um, business planning and consolidation, which dealt with legal consolidation. Legal consolidation. What that means is essentially rolling up numbers from the most granular level all the way to the uh, all the way to the top. And I did that for a couple of like, you know, big MNCs, uh, mostly based in the Americas region. That was uh, my first exposure into like, you know, financial statements, balance sheet, PL, cash flow statement. What does this even mean? And because these were large scale implementations, for the first time, I was looking at big numbers. You're looking at big numbers. Uh, for big MNCs. So that uh, really shaped my perspective. And even in terms of um, understanding how the roll-up happens, like you've got to understand why legal structure is a certain way. So legal structure differs in different entities, different countries. So you've got to understand that before you can like give a solution. That understanding as well as understanding of like, you know, ledgers, different ledgers tied to different um, uh, legal entities again so how are ledgers structured in a company what is the importance of a universal ledger so all of that knowledge I would say definitely came in from my work um, at PwC and like I've had amazing mentors all along um, and also apart from that like I was um, active in more extracurricular things even within um, the company 
so there was uh, i think just when i joined in digital transformation was uh, was uh, starting was just beginning at that time uh, and i got to play uh, a role in a lot of um, uh, in a lot of transformational things that were happening for the offshore centers uh, so i happened to work with pwc us and offshore centers back in india so here uh, got to got to be like a part of those initial teams driving a couple of uh, driving the change like in front of your eyes um so that was another um was another experience that shaped up my perspective as to oh, okay maybe this is how change is introduced and how are people reacting to it at a granular level what is the strategy from uh, that's coming in from the top you know so things like that again i would say um tying back to amazing mentors uh i've had a director you know sit with me and like push me forward on uh or you know if i put up certain points and uh people who support me in uh, into like strategizing that bucketing it into different parts so all of that i was fortunate to have definitely and um, yeah uh, also was involved with some internal products that went from 0 to 1 1 to 10 um so that's that that's been my um, i would say journey uh within the corporate how did partner happen was more of um uh it's more of a me search that an internal quest for myself rather um with respect to where is the world headed what do i where do i see myself fitting in and partner is nothing but answering a a a personal question for myself is to where do i see the world evolving how do i fit in that's essentially how partner came into the being um and i've been doing it as a i've been exploring different lifestyles as a side hustle uh, just to see if you know if i can pull off corporate for the long term or do i see myself fitting in elsewhere just you know living and experimenting and i think uh partner happened because i stumbled upon a lot of problems that really need solving and uh, certain things that uh from a philosophical point of view that i'm absolutely bullish about uh, so yeah that's that's like the crisp uh answer i hope Great. i answer your question yeah yeah thanks for thanks for taking us through your journey in a in a detailed uh uh way uh, i think there's a lot to connect to uh one thing i i could connect to while you were you know taking us through your journey was was isic so that's a bit something which was which is common between us because i was also a part of isic during my uni days um and my experience was similar as well like um i think so i i, I think i joined isic in my second or third year i'm not able to recall correctly i was there for a year and a half so i think it, it would be second year only but i think the first year of my uni i was i was i was really an introvert and isec pushed me to you know break that boundary uh and you know make connections make friends uh you know talk to people who who i didn't knew before so i think i had a same same experience and i uh i credit a lot of uh things that i did uh, like after uni during my professional career to isec because i think that was the inflection point where i broke the barriers of uh, introvertedness and you know 
realized how important networking is, how important talking to other people is. And I, I really learned a lot from that experience. So yeah, I can connect to, to your journey in, in some way. So that's great. Hi, cool. Pai. Hi, Pai. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, and also, I think the fact that you're doing the podcast now is also like another uh, connected thing. That we're yeah, definitely. That's As, yeah, you know, as Steve Jobs uh, said that you, you can always connect the dots going backwards, right? So yeah, I think I think that Absolutely. is. Um, um, so let's let's focus on partner for a bit. Uh, can you briefly explain in all simplicity, like what partner is, and you know wh- what I what is it trying to solve in in the workplace? Um, so what is partner <laughs> in a very crisp way? Um, you can look at partner as a bridge from web two to web three within the purview of uh, future of work. Um, so what does this mean? Let's start breaking it down probably. So what does this bridge to, to bridge from web two to web three even mean? What was web one? So web one is uh, a part of the internet, the first phase of the internet, which we also refer to as the dial-up era of the internet. Um, you know, really slow internet speeds, um, you 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 can only, you could only access information and like uh, people who hosted information like would get paid per page and stuff like that. So that's how that era started, and then came over um, the web two or the social uh, web era of the internet, where um, of course we've seen uh, big giants like Facebook and Amazon and uh, whatnot dominating. Um, so that for the first time web to introduce social interaction within the web for once you weren't just accessing information online but uh, you were also contributing to the information online be it uh, a wikipedia be it uh, I think uh, in one of the chats that we've had you, you did bring up wikipedia as an example so um be it contributing there to like uh, being able to contribute or um, talk on Facebook to Instagram and like uh, all of these host of platforms that we're now very familiar with, with that we're used to is a part of the social web or the web two era. Now the next paradigm that's coming up and that a uh, lot of people are uh, maybe not necessarily aware, but know that, you know, know a couple of use cases um, is the Web3 era of the internet, essentially, which propagates for uh, for open internet, for free internet. It's it's working on uh, re-decentralizing the internet rather. So the first Web1 era that came into the picture was actually a decentralized internet. And then Web2, what happened is we, we have... Uh, a couple of players that are dominating um, and the the user philosophy is essentially saying that, you know what, I do not want to be manipulated. Like, I do not want to be a, a, a rat, right? Like a lab rat uh, for you to succeed anymore. And also quoting um, Chris Dixon from one of his uh, podcasts, he's a partner at A16Z. Um, and uh, I, I, he, so one of his podcasts, he was saying that, um, you know, if we just let things rest, uh, probably the internet would become like, you know, uh, a, a, um, a TV of sorts where we're just switching between four channels. 
and these are the four tech giants that we see out there four five uh, channels so that's uh, that's something that really struck uh, with me when i did listen uh, given that uh, web3 has been a philosophy i think that's been uh, like i personally look at it as the next step to the free software movement rather um uh where you know linux came in and all this uh, it's been it's been great after that right like so linux github all of that happened and now i see web3 supporting an open internet um also it's designed to to benefit all of the participants which means um that's that's where token economics come into the picture we'll probably delve into it if we get the chance to um but very interesting concepts like if you uh, look at the core of web3 infrastructure it's very interesting and you see uh, possibilities that you you couldn't have possibly even thought about earlier so blockchain um bitcoin was the very first i think uh, example that blew up mm-hmm. uh, it's it's been in progress like i would say like technologies like this all of this it's nothing new but it's taking up shape now more because like any other revolution this ha- also has its base and now given the core emotions of people saying you know what i don't trust a certain thing anymore um financial crisis happened a decade ago emotions being built from there that's just like a small example um there are so many other occurrences that have happened over the past one to two decades which have um accumulated enough emotions uh of people to say okay fine this is the next thing and i'm going to bet on it right so that's the web3 era um so now when we're talking about web3 era right so where do i fit in and like what does the lifestyle even look like in the web3 era uh is is the is the question that i started asking myself so the next um so now with respect to lifestyle let's start with uh, metaverse like it's become it's become a buzzword like especially after facebook's recent switch to meta so now with respect to uh, uh you know do do we understand the metaverse has it been there how long has it been there all of these speculative questions are coming up now and people are trying to define what the metaverse is but it's a co- again a concept that's been there for a long time gamers are super familiar with the concept mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so now why is the metaverse you know coming into existence why is it taking up shape um uh, facebook is solving for the ui part of it according to me which is like the virtual reality augmented reality interacting in virtual in the virtual uh, world is what facebook is solving for uh they've changed the name to help build the metaverse again clarifying that that does not mean only vr and ar is a part of the metaverse i uh, 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 the major part that uh, a lot of people are missing out on is um, the back end part to the metaverse which is hardly spoken about um, if you look at the crypto definition per se like if uh, of the metaverse you see that it's uh, you need a universal ledger that's holding things together let's say uh, we're talking about something like virtual cities 
entirely virtual cities. You need something, uh, you need the right infrastructure to be able to support a virtual city. How is that going to happen? You have a universal ledger. So that how, what, what, what will support that kind of an infrastructure? At the end of the day, it comes down to blockchain being able to support that kind of an infrastructure. You see Ethereum, NFTs, all of that, in a way, is still a part of the metaverse, but more the back end of the metaverse, uh, where it's not very easy to just jump in and use. Like it, it's taken a long time for it to get where it is today. Uh, but essentially, the back end to the metaverse is uh, there are a lot of projects, there are a lot of developments that are going on. Um, I think one of it um, <clears throat> is. Um, uh, Projects that I've seen personally, one of it is um, CityDAO. They are building a city on the Ethereum blockchain, which is nothing but buying physical pieces of land, building virtual world, tying the virtual 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 world back to the physical land. So that's something that's actually going on, but not, not a lot of people are aware of. Um, Another another example would be I think Ethereum like ENS right Ethereum name service, uh, <clears throat> they are doing an amazing job by saying oh this is your identity on the metaverse this is your identity on chain, right so uh, and and they're saying like you can own hundreds of them you can own like 10 15 but and define your identity on the metaverse NFTs are another way which is like oh NFTs are another buzzword where you know everything. It's too much gaga over NFTs. What are non-fungible tokens? Essentially nothing but representing ownership. Representing ownership where? In this virtual land. This virtual world is nothing but like Ethereum for now or like one of the other blockchains for now. Uh, but if you see, this is still the back end of that virtual land that we're talking about. Now to help connect the dots, uh, like the, we, we spoke about the front end, we spoke about the <clears throat> about the back end as well. So if another interesting concept that um, is coming up is the concept of a network state or a network union, crypto civilization, uh, this effort is being led by Balaji Srinivasan. So if you like follow him, it's, it's very interesting how he's put a lot of uh, things together and is uh, envisioning, I think, starting off with like a virtual city of sorts and then transitioning all the way up to like a network union, a network state. And people call it the crypto civilization because the base currency is, you know, uh, involved with cryptocurrency. So fascinating things happening in this space. Um, okay, I, I it might sound like I'm completely off topic, but Getting back to the main question, um, all right, amazing things happening. I have gotten to know about like some of them. So how do I fit in, really? So how do I fit in? That is uh, a, a question that I started like I've been want I've been answering, trying to answer for myself for a long time, and um, I think I stumbled in the quest uh, to answer this. I stumbled upon DAOs decentralized autonomous organizations um again we'll dwell upon it a little more if we get a chance to in the future but yeah. uh for now um like where 
Um, okay, apologies, got distracted. Um, yeah, so what I was saying is, uh, at the end of the day, coming from uh, an Indian family where Jagar is sort of like the norm, um, I was just exploring different ways to, you know, get my feet in. And Dao's, to my eyes, were like the best way to just like, you know, jump in. Um, again, Web 3.0 company structures, you can work with them, you can start incentivizing in their native um, in their native tokens, which translates to actual monetary value in the mar in the market. Um, great. So this question is solved. Now, how can I do it for the next 10 years? Can I do it for the next 20 years? Mm, I don't know, because the market is too nascent. DAOs are structures that are just coming up. Um, and for me, let's say, like today, I don't want to confine myself to working with a company. I, I can't do that, right? Uh, and it's something that I figured out for myself, uh, you know, like internally questioning myself over a period of time. So now the next thing is, okay, let's say I want to, like I'm somebody who wants to work with an Amazon in the morning or Google in the, in the afternoon. And this is utopian, but still, like let's say there's no harm in thinking about it, right? So, um, and like, let's say um, a, a Flipkart, Facebook at night, right? Or a startup or something. So um, given that, given this is where I'm coming from, I uh, also wanted to solve for this problem of, okay, fine, uh, already there are a hundred plus DAOs uh, out there. Now, based on my interests, my skill sets, I mean, what I'm going to get paid for, my interests and how I want to like keep moving in the future and refining my life roadmap of sorts, I want to be able to connect to the right DAOs. I'm not tied to one over like a lifetime. I'm not tied to one for 10 years. I'm not tied to one for two years. Uh, but I want to get the chance to work on the best ones, right? Like that's where for me it meant, okay, fine, let's tie, uh, let's let's start mapping what I'm good at and like my interests to the uh, actual work out there. So like that's sort of a matching process, but in this ecosystem. Um yeah, so like during this process, of course, I figured a lot of uh, pain points that we could solve for uh, and we're uh, touching base on, we're exploring uh, um, a lot. Then uh, more from like a layman point of view next, um, the more I spend time, I realized that the more uh, people that are joining the ecosystem, believing in the ecosystem, contributing to making it big. So let's say 10 years from now, it's going to be uh, one of those other phases where the market is going to be saturated. Uh, so that's, again, like this question of, okay, now how do I set myself apart from anybody else? Fine, I can make a living out of what I get today. But, and I can continue that for a while, like till I can enjoy it till like, you know, the we're at the early adoption phase of the DAOs today and the bell curve is going to happen and we'll know when the saturation hits. So before that, how do I secure like a place for myself? How do I stand out from the rest of the crowd? So that's what led me to this answer of, or let me put my, put or represent a part of myself on that metaverse that people are talking about on the on chain, right? So um, yeah, that's that's essentially where this um, concept of tokenizing skill set comes from, from a very personal uh, point of view. It's a problem that I'm solving for myself and for every everyone else like me who wants to, uh, you know, get in, uh, get a front row seat, and uh, 
and from a philosophical point of view, again, I'm bullish about decentralization as a philosophy um, and absolutely support it. So it was a no-brainer for me to, I think once I saw this, for me to actually quit my job and say, let's let's give in full time. Let's see what comes out of it. Um, scary path, of course, very scary. But uh, I think this is essentially what uh, Partner does. I, I know it's been a detailed answer, uh, but I, I thought, I felt that it was important to give this sort of a detailed um, answer uh, to understand what it really is from um, from a, from an individual's perspective um, rather. And yes, so uh, we're working on tokenizing skills. And we're starting off with educating people because the market is very nascent at this point of time. Uh, we're, we're basically telling people, hey boss, there's a spectrum called Web3 that exists. Do you even know about it? Telling them what that is, getting them started and all the way up to, um, you know, if you want to really represent yourself on the metaverse, uh, here's here's how we figured out how to tokenize like the skill set. Come join us. Let's uh, you know build together. Or if you want to be one of the first few to go represent yourself on the metaverse, uh, you know jump in, jump in on the bandwagon, and let's do this together. So there's no hidden secrets with respect to what we're doing. We're happy. We're it's an open call to people who want to be involved with us. And um, yeah, we're happy to take this forward. And also one more thing, just clarifying, uh, when I talk about metaverse personally, I am referring like my personal <clears throat> perspective on the metaverse is the front end is VR, AR and things that uh, projects like Facebook are working on. Um, and the other back end to it, like I said, I touched based on multiple projects. I see uh, blockchain, I, I still see blockchain, crypto, all of it being the uh, back end to uh, the metaverse itself. So whenever I'm referring to metaverse, I will be, I essentially mean this. So yeah, I hope I've answered the question and uh, sorry for the detailed response. No, no, no. I think, I think, uh, thanks for the, thanks for the answer i think it's a good complex answer um i was while you know i, I was listening very carefully just because i'm i'm such a newbie to this space i i was really trying to connect the dots or weave a pattern to you know uh the way you started and now where you at and then the definitions of web 1.0 web 2.0 web 3.0 and uh you know the other other stuff so just to encapsulate what i understand partner is basically you know a marketplace for that decentralized working environment or you know what work what work culture in in the web 3.0 world would look like right and you currently you are focused on helping organizations find that talent and also helping that talent you know prepare upskill themselves for those organizations uh, is that absolutely correct Absolutely correct. yeah right. absolutely so we're starting off like you said with the educational sessions uh from 25th of november all the way to 16th of jan we have open sessions every week mm -hmm. uh, every weekend that people can attend and we have uh some experts pioneers in the industry rather conducting them for you mm -hmm. uh, so feel free to join in definitely to understand just get a hang of the basics and of course all of the content that i've spoken about i'll place a, a, a link to the discord channel where we've struck 
capture the same content out in a very you know in an easy to understand manner so it's right. going to be easy for people to pick up so yes it's a marketplace at the end of the day that uh, focuses on uh, connecting people to web 3.0 company structures great 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 uh, cool so what we'll do for the uh, you know rest of the podcast is we'll try to break down uh, what partner is doing and and the stuff that you just mentioned into small small pieces so that you know we make make it easier for us and the audience to understand um so i wanted to focus about so one thing you mentioned a couple of time was daos right like decentralized autonom- autonomous organizations so i wanted to focus on that bit for uh, you know for the next few minutes um mm-hmm. so let's start with a with a simple definition of uh, of uh, daos and then what i really wanted to ask you is that um basically um you know how how would the dao work environment look like like and how far do you think that adoption of the dao framework or a decentralized framework in a in, in a society where you know almost everything is centralized uh, how would it, it it look like and uh, probably if you can touch base on how far we how far or you know uh, close we are to have a dao ecosystem in in place Uh, i think there's a slight network issue um so i hope i understood your question right um kinshuk are you able to like hear me yeah yeah right? i can hear you yeah, were you able to hear the question okay awesome awesome yes so you you are you uh, you asked about uh, daos yeah. and where how far do you see like the framework of daos coming into uh, existence right like if i'm right exactly okay. so let's start with uh let's start with what dao what a dao is uh, what what is a decentralized autonomous organization yeah. uh so an org where rules of the organization per se are uh programmed into code is um is what a decentralized autonomous organization is so now how mm-hmm. does this matter the fact actions of a company of an organization rather mm-hmm. along with the uh, the rules of the company like the base rules are all um, are all embedded into code in a very transparent manner that's accessible to anybody and everybody mm-hmm. so um, and what does solve for is essentially this problem of uh, this is problem called principal agent dilemma uh, i'll i'll break it down and explain what okay. it is so uh, essentially a principal uh, so your your uh, represent your electing an agent to represent you right that's what that's a system that we're all used to so you mm-hmm. as a principal is electing an agent uh, to represent you and that agent is in a position of power and it's a structure that all of us are used to but the dilemma is if this agent if you trust this agent and you uh, and you're electing or if you're uh, if you're nominating or you know different ways to basically put the other person to uh, represent you they can misuse their power either they do it for the good or they or they leverage the power to play their own agenda mm-hmm. right this is where it's uh, you trust people but you don't know what the outcome is you trust people to do good but you also trust people to do bad for you right like and you you 
you can't predict the outcomes you can't control the but at the end of the day we're living our lives we do want to you know we don't want to get manipulated and we want to control as much as possible of our own lives so uh, what dao solve for is essentially this problem saying there is no no uh, centralized authority you're not governed by a ceo or a government or a central government um i think touching base on this quote that i found somewhere mm, um you know there is no ceo and the contributors i mean i'm sorry i actually forgot about the quote forgot the quote uh but essentially it's yeah. it's a community governed network so decisions yeah. are not made by a centralized authority but it's made by the community overall so that's what a dao is in, in is in general mm-hmm. um and then uh, you know again like this trust factor is something that i spoke about when i brought up the principal agent dilemma uh it 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 introduces a trustless ecosystem essentially okay so when you say a trust ecosystem like i can meet with a random stranger online uh mm-hmm. but the work is going to get done so that's the kind of uh, you know that's the kind of infrastructure that, that it supports and also you don't have anything called employment contracts all of the things are embedded like in code okay. um, there's no typically what's what, what would i mean if you have a problem you're going to like reach out to the legal uh jurisdiction like you know framework and get that sorted here it's all open rules open book mm-hmm. uh so you have to abide by it and essentially yeah so that's that's essentially how uh, what a dao is and how it works but okay. uh, more aspects of it of course happy to decode as we go through the conversation great 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 got the point i think so and um i think the second part of the question is something that i haven't answered yet like you yeah. said how far do you uh, yeah think exactly i mean as per your ecosystem i think the framework yeah like again absolutely like personal uh, personal perspective mm-hmm. i see it at least i see it being at least 10 to 20 years away in terms of mainstream adoption uh, mm-hmm. simply because like in the corporate today digital transformation is a big thing where autonomy is you know taking over mm-hmm. uh, for for something for the mindset to transition in the entire ecosystem from there to where we the to like the early adoption phase of web3 is is at least going to take 10 to 20 years so it will probably start with like distributed ledgers uh, ledger tech within like the established infrastructures and then eventually to like a uh, decentralized model um hard to hard to completely imagine uh, easier to speculate it's easy to see a new organization adopting adopting the web3 model and pushing it mm-hmm. uh but it's i mean honestly it's it's hard to imagine like an actually established organization completely decentralizing control and uh, given the magnanimous amount of processes that are set in an organization um tough to talk about that i mean i'm i haven't been able to visualize it clearly but it's very easy to i think it's it, it's definitely easy to visualize a new structure a new org uh starting as a decentralized org for sure great great uh got your point i think um so fr- from from the basic fundamental understanding what i can decode is that daos are basically mm-hmm. sort of are trying to move away from that hierarchical uh 
structure that we currently see in organizations to a more community-based uh, uh, organizations where technically there's no leadership, technically there's there are no employment contracts, but like at least on paper, but everything is embedded in the code and everything works on the concepts like proof of work and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, right. Or like um, as a as a side effect, it also enables, you know, the remote work thing where you know just just as you speculated, like if I want to work for a Facebook in the morning, a Google in the afternoon, and a Netflix in the night, I can do that because I'm a I'm working remotely. B I'm not governed by by policies, by management, or by leadership. Uh, and in the end, it, it basically gives control of your career to to the person back, right? So, yeah, I think I think that's where uh, I think you're trying to indi indicate if I'm understanding it correctly. Absolutely. So, if uh, like an interesting interesting concepts to uh, for you to like for the audience and you to um, go back to and read upon is like the sovereign individual, sovereign collective. So these are mm -hmm. concepts that from a philosophical point of view on, uh, you know, decode these structures and amazing reads. Great, great. Again, like if I'm able to plug in specific books, I will, uh, you know, after the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do let me know. I'll put that in, in show notes uh, here. So I think everybody can, you know, pick up the show notes and uh, get access to the book. Sure, sure. Great. Sure. Um, one, one question when I was reading about DAOs and, you know, from this conversation as well, um, so th there was a phrase which I read somewhere, uh, which said that, you know, in a decentralized organization, no one is a CEO, yet everyone is a CEO. So, uh, you know, one of the fundamentals about, you know, a decentralized working environment is that, you know, you remove that traditional hier hierarchical framework and uh, replace it with a consensus based horizontal structure, uh, just what we discussed just now. My question to you was that how does one, uh, you know, drive accountability and motivation within an organization to to some extent at least when you remove that leadership when you remove that hierarchy and I mean definitely you'll be also thinking about about this, uh, you know, within partner when you expand the team and you hire more people right. So what are your what is your take Absolutely. on this? Absolutely. Um, so um, with respect to, I mean, again, tying back to uh, the same concept of, um, you know, it's governed by the community and decisions are made by the community on the whole versus a centralized um, government or a CEO of sorts. Um, so now how does one drive accountability in these structures? Uh, before I get there, firstly, I believe that leadership is always an important concept and uh, these structures respect leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, so leadership is not going to go away. Meritocracy is not going to go, go away. At the core of it is meritocracy. So if you are moving, uh, you know, moving to guide people uh, and genuinely, th there's a saying that says leaders emerge. So always i mean leadership is revered in these networks i've uh, i've uh, jumped into a couple of DAOs, experimented a little so from what i see here absolutely le leadership is revered 
from an incentive mechanism point of view, uh, that's where I spoke about, like I brought up this term called token tokenomics, which uh, decodes to token economics. The incentive model is driven by tokens. Within the Web3 infra, in Web3 infrastructure itself, the incentive model is driven by tokens. So as a DAO yourself, you can either introduce tokens your own platform tokens or your platform coins depending on of course if you if you host your native blockchain then you host your coins and if you're on uh, if you're an organization or a structure on an existing blockchain um a very i mean the 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 one that everybody almost everyone is able to relate to is ethereum as a blockchain so if you're hosting on uh you know, one of the blockchains, Ethereum, Solana, Polygon, like level one, level two, so many others. So the, that, then you get to, get to host your own platform tokens. And yeah, essentially, uh, you know, after you hit a certain liquidity point, like it translates to market value and people mm. holding your tokens that are essentially people who have believed in you as a, as an organization, as an entity, get remunerated. And they also benefit. So there are different types of tokens again, you know, utility. Uh, so yeah, that that's essentially what uh, that's essentially how the incentive mechanism is driven. And if you notice from uh, the Web two world that we're currently in right now, uh, you're tied to a single structure. You're bound by you know contracts. So in that kind of a world, this is this is like saying you know what I'm giving you an equal seat at the table. Mm -hmm. uh, I would rather say I'm giving you a seat at the table versus you having to uh, slog for my mission slash vision. Uh, great if you believe in it. Mm -hmm. It's not mandatory for you to believe in it. Uh, but, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, we know the proportion of uh, divide that happens towards like somebody at a granular level making things happen versus... Uh, somebody on the top where bureaucracy is plays out a lot so essentially it's like saying uh you know what today if you believe in my mission and vision uh you can come put in a certain amount of your time and get remunerated accordingly based on merit purely so that's that's where these uh that's where the uh, concept is emerging from and uh, to touch ground reality today do we have uh, DAOs which are absolutely living by the term, you know, by living by the definition of what a DAO is supposed to be, I don't think so. Uh, mm. Personally, again, personal perspective, I don't think so. Uh, it's th This is a nascent space, which is just emerging, up and coming. Um, today, they are more digital organizations. Again, I'm quoting um i'm quoting a podcast slash newsletter that i read i'm not able to recollect exactly where but uh they are more digital organizations today eventually they are going to get to uh decentralized autonomous organizations so that's there are certain pain points in the area which uh partner as a venture is also trying to help dow solve for great great and yeah yeah i hope this uh answered yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely definitely i think uh i think you you uh enumerated a lot of great points uh one thing i when i think about decentralization and you know while you were answering the thing that was running into my mind was um which i wanted to share is that um 
because of the hierarchy and you know the rigid system that the current day organization have i think i think it was uh, again i uh listen to this in a, in a podcast uh again not able to remember what, what was it but so this was probably driven by the industrialization phase right where we uh we had factories we had we had workers we had a line manager which manages a, a set of workers and stuff like that which has been continuing since since uh, you know decades um and i think technically with with bureaucracy taking bureaucracy as a factor and taking hierarchy as a factor a lot of divide uh we have seen a lot of divide being embedded into into that into our ecosystem and technically your you know basically your uh your salary your annual increment your growth in a company is also tied to at in a certain way to you know the leadership that you work for uh, less than your performance right yes um, imagine a context uh, where uh, you know i mean i am a part of i'm still a part of that corporate structure you are probably not but uh, you know imagine uh, a f- imagine you're a top performer at a at an xyz company and there's a appraisal cycle which is coming up soon but for some reason there's a conflict between you and your line manager it can have a negative impact on your appraisal cycle even though you were a top performer right um that's basically a web 2.0 story a web 3.0 story yeah. would be a bit different right because it's a it's a whole proof of work concept you are uh, getting compensated in in tokens rather than you know having those uh, personal connections your contracts are decided by a code rather than a paper contract which is signed between two parties so you get a lot of ownership and you get a lot of flexibility uh, and it, it it all depends on trust that that you have on that organization on that token it all depends on the work that you do it all depends on your performance and it all depends like on on the code technically so i think it, it it solves for a lot of nuances or issues that we have currently in a web 2.0 space yeah so the the first example that you touched upon actually is uh, is 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 the principal agent uh, dilemma playing out right like it's exactly that playing out yeah and uh, in, in the second part you said yes web 3.2 company structures are coming into the picture but that's where we're starting but that does you know that's the end uh, also i want to talk about more of a bottom up approach or like an individual's perspective with respect to uh, how putting up let's say like a part of me on the metaverse as a as a skill set rather is going to so let's say me as a person is i i kriti as a person is good at uh, uh, one two three things that earn me a living Mm-hmm. uh four five things which i really like to do can make for a secondary income and six seven that i'm you know that i really love and i'm ramping myself up on random example like just coming up with it now so uh 
on on this virtual world in this virtual city i'm starting with a virtual city because it's easier to imagine in this virtual city that i'm living and interacting uh in vr ar with respect to like let's say i can feel the a person's push if they're pushing me even virtually right like i'm talking about that level of interaction um let's say i'm living in this sort of a world how do i how can i make anything out of it so like i would rather uh put apart that one two three skill set that skills that earn me a living i'll probably want to attach a certain uh character to it or certain professionalism to it and put myself out there in a way that gets me the best returns and four five you know i might be uh casual about it uh you know i'm i might be open to mentoring mentoring people doing free uh gigs rather so there's another way that i might want to put portray myself like mm-hmm. a different aspect of me comes into the picture yeah um and and let's say the last one the last bucket rather is things i'm interested in i would totally like run around just picking people's brains and understanding what this space is all about like how are you doing something so this is this is just like me as a person approaching things in three different ways which can also come across in that virtual world is three different people all together great so given that each person has like multiple identities in a way tied to them today there's no actual way to represent it in like the the real world uh, a, a pseudo thing of sorts that's happening is you see one person having multiple instagram accounts mm-hmm. right like where each account is used to represent like a part of them so mm-hmm. i see that personally see that panning out in the actual virtual world scenario virtual city scenario where um, pseudonymous identities are again like a concept that has been spoken about a lot is mm-hmm. being spoken about a lot and being worked upon um yeah so like multiple uh, identities of yours you choose to put yourself out there as different things but being tied back to yourself as a person that is what tokenizing your skill skill set as a person means and that's what we're working on that's one thing and um also like from another point of view more from a grand scheme of point of view right like i i spoke from from the bottom up now let's say any economy that's come into the picture so far like today right from uh, the beginning of time the beginning of human race sorry not the beginning of time so any uh, for any economy that's come into the picture human capital has been the core at core of any economy that's thrived right like there are mm-hmm. different tools technologies in each era but you need human capital and again personal perspective i see this as introducing human capital into the metaverse like my, again my definition of the metaverse so great great just wanted to touch base on that as well because from when you spoke about the trail of things i felt like this probably was missing out yeah got it got it no i think it's a it's an interesting perspective uh thanks for uh thanks for talking about that um cool i think we we are a bit short on time uh, as per the schedule uh i have a couple of questions so i think we'll quickly go through go through them uh sure, sure. uh now these are, like we'll come back to the universe from the metaverse uh to the real world <laughs> technically um I wanted to ask a little bit about the communities part that we touched based earlier uh, starting with ISEC. So you have been part of ISEC and uh, and also Leap which uh, 
which you're a part of currently. So I said yes. was during uni, yes. uni days and leap is what you're part of now. Yes. Um, yeah. Just quickly, if you can, you know, uh, share some experiences or anecdotes, like how these communities have shaped you up and how have you gained value from them? Absolutely happy to. Um, I think Leap is definitely like a you know a huge community that that I mean a community that's played a huge role. Apart from Leap, I'd also really like to touch upon seventeen twenty nine is um, is an initiative that I, that was started by Balaji Shinawasan and like a, a random person on the internet named Chance. He happened to create like a Discord group where just like minded people could get in and happened to join in as like the first you know, five, 10 people. And uh, again, that, that community has played a massive role in shaping my perspectives uh, in about the space in general. And having those, those conversations with multiple people who are thinking at uh, a, a different level absolutely helped. And again, like people, I would say uh, this space gave me access to uh, people who I probably wouldn't have even thought about reaching out to in the real world, right? Like people who worked on, uh, let's say, an e-residency program for Estonia, people who lead organizations, uh, entrepreneurs who are working, literally working on the future of work as we speak, you know, building for the metaverse. Uh, uh, and uh, people who are building communities which are, uh, just because you can't afford education, like um, education, uh, tuition fee like for mm. your degree course uh, people are getting together into self-learning communities they make themselves they upskill they upskill themselves uh, to be employable uh, challenging the status quo sorry challenging the status quo by saying that um, you know today uh, anyways universities don't prepare you for a job so why not get into a self-learning mode and prep ourselves up? And it's easy to learn. And like that power of community learning. And I'm quoting, uh, I'm quoting a conversation that I had, uh, I think with Brian Peters, who, who's like the co-founder of Sibol, not very, uh, um, he, he uh, mentioned that, uh, you know, Community learning is like a very small aspect of, uh, sorry, schooling is a very small aspect of community learning in general. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I was like just trying to recollect the whole thing and this happened. Uh, and like, like simple things like, uh, you know, someone telling me that, oh, we're just like mimicking creatures that mimic and seeing somebody perform well in a community and like being exposed to people who are doing their own thing uh, in a futuristic manner just made it seem feasible for me, like made it seem possible. It was more, I wasn't like in my head, I'm like, okay, fine. Maybe this person that I just had a conversation with is doing amazing things, has done amazing things. There was this, um, this there was this other person who, who worked on a concept called Startup Cities, which is analogous to um, I think chartered cities and special economic zones okay. uh, a much improved version of special economic zones so, so okay. you like you see cities like Prospera coming into the picture with their with their private governance and stuff like that so picking conversations with such people and really uh, understanding where they come from sort of made me feel like there's a huge world out there and there's so much that I need to be doing and uh, yeah, that the support that came in from there. This is more the 
1729. Then Tet Circles was another uh, community uh, that really helped uh, because like, you know, there was a point of time where I was hosting Tet Circles often. So these are small gatherings of uh, people who come together and discuss specific topics and it's like I look at it as a space or I host a space which is very vulnerable and you're having these real difficult conversations that are not uh, that you don't typically talk about but is essential to talk about so mm-hmm. such kind of spaces that gave me exposure to people's problems like and and like uh, there being a norm of okay you know what this thing I haven't probably spoken about or even to my best friend in all these years but I'm able to open up and talk about certain things here so that added like a different angle to how I view people how I view things now jumping back to Leap (laughs) I know uh, Leap was the example you brought about so um, coming back to Leap Leap has also played like a massive role for me because um, like uh, I've had people especially meeting like zero to one founders inside the community for me personally was like uh, today can I relate to Kunal uh, Shah I won't be able to like definitely not because he's way ahead in, ahead in the game and I don't really understand what it took him to get there but like talking to multiple zero to one founders gave me a real perspective on okay what is next for me and people who are two, three steps ahead of you are basically able to cheer you up and tell you that, oh, you know what, you've just got to like move two steps and you're, you, you know, you're sorted. Like you've, you've gotten here already. So that encouragement uh, was very important. And I don't, I, I don't, I'm, I, I don't know how else I would have found it if not for like this, this sort of a trajectory and this sort of a, a support. Uh, I definitely got from Leap and also like some from some uh, strangers that I've met, met online who've turned to mentors in some of the Discord communities for sure. Uh, like I would really want to highlight Ila Dubey, who was like the founder, co-founder of, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> she's uh, the co-founder of uh, FinTech platform. Um, okay. We can always plug it in yeah, the show yeah. notes. So. Yes. Definitely, definitely. So she's been like a personal, uh, uh, she's been like a personal edu fund. Sorry for the, yeah. So she's the co-founder of edu fund and she's been, she was in her zero to one probably when I spoke to her for the first time. And uh, she's been that one person who's, you know, helped me like from a perspective point of view, jump out of where I was to, you know, let's go take a bed, go do your thing sort of uh, zone. And Great. yeah, I mean, Ragini was like the founder of Leap Shades. She probably helped me with my first marketing email. So <laughs> she drafted it out for me. So like definitely Leap's been like a sort of home community. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for touching touching base on that part. It was, I really wanted to ask you this because you always have been part of, you know, all these communities. So definitely they, those were probably the building blocks to your entrepreneurial uh entrepreneurial journey right uh cool thanks for touching base on that um so uh just three questions left um now these are like very light-hearted off-topic questions nothing related to the metaverse <laughs> web 3.0 or or anything else um okay, we, back to ground <laughs> yeah back to ground uh we'll do it in a rapid fire manner where you can only answer them in a word sentence or a phrase right 
So okay, interesting. Cool. Um, I'll start with the first one. So basically, uh, being a Bangalorean, um, I wanted to know your recommendations for the best dosa around the corner and where can you get the best beer, like your personal favorites? Um, dosa, MTR, Lalbagh, um, beer, Big Roski. Perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, I think Big, Big Roski is my personal favorite as well. Great. High five then. Great. Um, the second question is uh, your personal mindfulness practices, like and entrepreneurship is definitely, you know, a, a difficult thing to do. So what do you, what do you do to keep yourself slowing, to keep yourself sane? Um, meditation mm -hmm. helps a lot. So I'm, I'm thinking through the short term. So. Yeah. Um, I think set the tone. Mm -hmm. uh, for the day and get rid of the baggage uh, at night and start okay. the day the next day fresh that that's like sort of a mantra which is uh, very important and for those I feel the tools are more meditation and uh, I think activity exercise meditation uh, and yeah that that essentially is very important to just get into the flow state great great sorry not 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 in a phrase but no, no, no perfect um, cool. So the last one is, let's say an 18 year old reaches out to you for career advice. Um, mm -hmm. what would be your three personal tips to them on again, in words or, or phrases? Interesting. Um, so first I would say is explore all opportunities, uh, do things your way, like do as, take up as many things. The only way to learn is by experimenting. Figuring out yourself is by experimenting. Uh, talk to as many people as possible, mm -hmm. um, shamelessly. Uh, I'm not going to say everyone's going to respond to you the same way, like with the same energy, but uh, mm -hmm. you, you'll be surprised that more than 95% of them typically do. Uh, they're happy to talk. And um, third is... Um, Reflect internally. Every on um, every question that you typically seek answers answers to, like most of almost all the questions are uh, something that you can answer for yourself. Uh, so yeah, reflect internally before uh, anything else. That's that's very important to learn as an art because we haven't been taught about it anyway. Great. So explore all opportunities. Talk to people selflessly and. The last one was to reflect on yourself and the opportunities. Great, yes. great, cool. So I think we are we are at a good point to conclude uh, our, our conversation. I really wanted to thank you for you know taking out the time uh, to do this. Being an entrepreneur, I think you are just jumping in and out of meetings. So really appreciate your time with this. Um, all the social Absolutely links. A pleasure. Yeah. Great. All the Absolutely social. A pleasure doing this. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Sorry. No, it's a, it's it's like it's it's a great opportunity. I think for me to you know learn from it. So I was saying that all the social links for partners and uh, you know any additional notes or book recommendations that you want to give will be in the show notes below. Um, uh, do you want to plug in your uh, basically either your Twitter handle or partner's Twitter handle just as a quick reference? Yes. Yes, yes. So uh, we're at 
P-A-R-T-N-R-3, uh, partners with no E. Again, P-A-R-T-N-R-3. If you do have any questions, you want to pick conversations, reach out uh, directly. Our DMs are open. So feel free to reach out or uh, tweet out questions and we're happy to do some sort of an FAQ uh, session to answer it for y'all. And again, an open call to... Uh, everyone who wants to, who, who does connect with what we're doing and who wants to either contribute, come, uh, uh, you know, understand what we're doing. And we believe in building it, building this venture together as a community and solving for the problem together as a community. So yes, uh, and thanks a lot for having me uh, here today, Kinshuk. No, it's, it's, it's a pleasure. seeing the potential. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen the no, potential. No, no. I think, like special mention, definitely. No, I think, uh, I think it's just the beginning of a of a, uh, you know, a massive change that we are all going to witness, and uh, I'm glad that you you and partner are at the forefront of it. So yeah, best of luck for that, and thanks, thanks a lot. Take care. Yes, take care. You too. And it was great chatting with you. All right. Hey listeners, thank you for tuning in to Add and Black. If you have any thoughts, feedback or suggestion about this episode or the podcast in general, feel free to drop a note on addintellect at the rate gmail.com. That is A-T-intellect at the rate gmail.com. Until next time, peace.